This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We begin tonight with a listen to some sci-fi radio that was popular in the mid-1950s. The series is called X-1. It was broadcast from April 24th of 1955 to January of 1958 in various time slots on NBC. It was known for high production values in adapting stories from the leading American authors of the era. X-1 has been described as one of the finest offerings of American radio drama and one of the best science fiction series in any medium. Initially a revival of NBC's Dimension X, the first 15 episodes of X-1 were new versions of Dimension X, but the remainder were adaptations by of newly published science fiction stories by leading writers in the field, including Isaac Asimov and Ray Bradbury, to name just a few. Tonight's episode is entitled No Contact. Countdown for blastoff. X minus five, minus four, minus three, minus two, X minus one. Fire. From the far horizons of the unknown come tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future. Adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company presents... X... Minus... One... Tonight's story, No Contact. It was in the year of 1982 that spacemen first discovered the great galactic barrier. In the past ten years, rocket travel to the moon and the nearer planets had become commonplace. And then men fixed their sights on a more distant star, the remote planet known as Volta. Five exploratory ships went out and none came back, each in turn disappearing mysteriously at the same vanishing point, at an invisible wall somewhere in the vast outer reaches that became known as the wrecker of spaceships, the Galactic Reef. And yet, the explorers refused to admit defeat. It was on June the 2nd, 1987, that the rocket Star Cloud made ready for takeoff, the sixth to attempt to crack the barrier and win through to Volta. Now hear this. Condition green. Two minutes to blast off. Condition green. 
Tom. Well, Lewis, this is it. I don't suppose you'll be needing the ship's doctor up here on the bridge during blast off. I think not, Smitty. There's little chance of acceleration bends in these new overdrive ships. I'll be in my office then, counting vitamin pills if you need me. It's only a few steps. Good luck, Lewis. Thank you, Smitty. Uh, Lieutenant Collier. Uh, yes, sir? You're relieved. You'd better get down to navigation control and take over. Yes, sir. Uh, Lieutenant. Yes, sir? We've never flown together before. This is your first flight in a space vessel as big as the Star Cloud. Yes, sir, but I was trained in oversized jobs at the Naval Academy. Well, if you're half as good a navigator as your father was, you'll do fine. Thank you, sir. Did you ship out with my father? I served under him on one of the first rocket runs to the moon. I see. I almost went along on his last trip to the barrier. Um, too bad about that. Yes, sir. That's all, Connor. <laughs> Paulson. Get me the ground control tower on the field. I want to talk to Colonel Harrison. Yes, sir. Go ahead, sir. I patched in the bridge speaker. Colonel Harrison? Yes, Captain. We're standing by for takeoff in 30 seconds. Good. Field's cleared of all personnel. We'll try to reestablish radio contact immediately after takeoff. In any event, there'll be a 24-hour ground monitor. Fine. Good luck. Hope you make it. Thank you. Bridge to navigation control. Nav control. Call you. Ready, Lieutenant? Is in the integrator for takeoff at 1200 hours. All right. Stand by for blast off. Bridge to engine room. Fire up your rocket chambers. Take off at exactly 1200 hours. I'll read you off. 20 seconds. 19, 18, 17, 16. Hold it. Revoke all orders. Who turned in that alarm? We've uncovered a stowaway. Stowaway? Where? Dr. Have him brought up to the bridge. Engine room, kill your rockets and stand by. Thorson, this is Colonel Harrison in ground control. What's holding you up? Trouble. What's the matter with you? What's the matter with you? There's a stowaway aboard. Stowaway? Yes, I thought your men were supposed to police this base. What's the All matter right, with Captain, you? Captain, take it easy. You know what this delay can do to us, don't you? One minute later, takeoff can throw us a million miles off course. We'll have to reintegrate the whole works. Well, look, how long do you think it'll take Don't to... bother for me for a while. I'm busy. Stupid idiot. Captain Thorson? Yes, come in, Smitty. Here's your stove. I'll court-martial the... Oh, Charlie. Can you use a good radio man, Skipper? Well, I see you two have met. Met? Skipper and me made 50 trips to the moon together. Didn't we, Skipper? Charlie, if you wanted to come along, why didn't you volunteer? I did, Skipper. They they turned me down. Well, what's wrong with you? Acceleration bends. They said my arteries wouldn't stand another trip. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But they're wrong, Skipper. I, I got one more good trip in me. Listen, Skipper, you, you you know that these green kids, they don't know the first thing about space radio operation. Now, you, you put a man like me on and I'll, I'll be getting you bedtime stories from Mars. Charlie, you know the regulations as well as I do. I can't take you much as I'd like to. Colonel Harrison will murder me for this. Well, I'm sorry, Charlie. I'll have you put aground. I'll tell you what, I'll ask Harrison to put you on his ground radio contact, and it'll seem as if you're right here with us. He won't do it, sir. Well, he'd better. I'll have him busted to Corporal for letting you sneak aboard. Look, Charlie, you... Look, you'd better be off. Uh, Paulison. Yes, sir. I'm sending this man aground. Give him time to clear the launching platform. Yes, sir. So long, Charlie. I'm... I'm sorry. Good luck, Skipper. <laughs> I thought you were going to have him drawn and quartered. If it had been anyone else, I would have, Smitty. But Charlie, well, he's kind of special. 
Been with me since my first command when we began the regular run to the moon. And if he wanted to come along this time, well, it's only through loyalty to me. You know, Lewis, I didn't realize it before, but you're almost human. Captain Dawson, Nav Control, call you. Oh, yes, Lieutenant. Uh, how badly are we fouled up? Can you recalculate the course, or shall I cancel the takeoff? I've already plotted a new course on the integrator, sir. If we take off in exactly 30 seconds, we'll need to correct for only a one-degree deflection. I can do that before we breach the stratosphere. That's quick work. Are you sure? Yes, sir. Positive, sir. All right, Collier. I'm putting it in your hands. We'll blast off on your signal. Bridge to engine room. Prepare to blast off on navigator's signal. How are we doing, Collier? Coming on the bearing, sir. It's four, three, two, zero. We've intersected the course vector. Good work, Collier. Course is corrected, sir. We're ready to go into atomic overdrive any time you say. All right. Stand by. Yes, sir. Now hear this. Now hear this. Prepare for maximum acceleration. Bridge to engine room. Kill your rockets. Rockets out. Fire up number one cyclotron. Number one ready. Fire up number two. Number two ready. Withdraw your dampening rods. Mission chamber ready. Blast tubes cleared. All generators operating at capacity. Take it over, sir. Go into overdrive at the count of zero. Three seconds, Mr. Collier. Three, two, two, one, one, zero, zero. How are we doing, Collier? On course, sir. She's running hot and true. My compliments, Lieutenant. This job would have done your father credit, and he was the best navigation officer I ever saw. Oh, thank you, sir. Start your gyros. Put her on robot control. All right, the bridge is yours, Mr. Collier. If you need me, I'll be in Dr. Smithson's office. Yes, sir. Well, Lewis, I see you got us off the ground. You can thank young Collier for that. Chip off the old block. You knew his father? As a matter of fact, I knew him very well. First-rate spaceman. Oh, is he the one yes, who... Yes, yes. He was lost in the galactic barrier on the second ship we sent out to Voldemort. Lewis, just what do you think this galactic barrier is? Oh, your guess is as good as mine, Doc. All I know is that five ships have gone into it, and none of them have come back out. You think it's a nit? How about Mestrovic's theory that it's a time warp in space? That the ships reach it and slip into another dimension? I think that's a lot of rubbish. My theory is that the galactic barrier is nothing more than a radioactive layer of some kind. Why do you say that? Well, we know that radar signals bounce off it like they were hitting an invisible glass wall. And we know that it destroys our ships and crews in some way. There's no other logical explanation. What makes you think we can get through it, Lewis? Because we're ready for it. The others weren't. The entire hull of this ship is completely shielded with lead. We can crack through any radioactive cloud ever detected. Besides, we're equipped with some new UHF radio devices that should enable us to maintain radio contact with Earth. Nothing can happen. Absolutely nothing. Now, who are you trying to convince? <laughs> Well, myself, I suppose. Lewis, you've had your share of glory. First skipper to reach the moon back in 1962. You could have retired. Why are you risking this trip? Five ships are missing. Men like Prentice, 
Margotson, young Collier's father. I'm tired of seeing good men fed into that meat chopper. Then why are we going to vote her? We haven't any choice, Smitty. We're in a race, the kind of race where men and ships are expendable. According to the Interspace Code, the First Nation to reach Volta can claim it. Well, personally, I want no part of it. Now, I'll have to play physician, morale builder, and mother substitute for 112 slightly nervous men. And your morale doesn't sound too good, Doc. As morale officer, I can state without fear of contradiction, it is terrible. And something tells me as we approach that galactic barrier, I'm not going to be alone. Hello, Earth. Captain Thorson of the Star Cloud calling Earth. Hello, Star Cloud. Hi, Captain. Charlie. Well, I see they haven't court-martialed you yet. No, sir. Thanks to you. Well, it's good to hear you. You can read us the funny papers on Sunday morning. All right. Now, how's our signal? Strong. Clear as a bell. Now, here's our log report for Colonel Harrison. You ready? Shoot. June 2nd, 1987. Four weeks out from Earth. Running through. No radiation. Operation normal. Still making our approach to the galactic barrier. That's all, Charlie. See you later. Good luck, Captain. I sure wish I was with you. How's the morale, Smitty? The men know we're getting closer to the barrier. They're beginning to show a little tension, Lewis. Oh, how's their physical condition? Any sickness? About half the crew has come down with space blues. Ah, I was afraid of that. Are they bad? Same as usual. Lips and hands with a bluish cast. Eyes are sensitive to infrared. I don't know. When I first started flying these tin cans, nobody ever heard of space blues. Well, now there's a theory it's caused by the terrific acceleration of atomic overdrive. The change in gravity affects the circulation. Hmm. What do you think? I think it's psychosomatic. I've noticed that the same men who get space blues under tension on a ship tend to get blue coloration back on Earth when they're upset. I guess it's just an occupational disease of space nerves. Uh-huh. You think it's just uh, nerves, then? Well, young Collier's got a bad case. I, I think it's tension from overwork. Maybe he needs some vitamins. Lewis, when will you realize that vitamins are not a panacea for all the troubles of mankind? Sir, I understand that you've relieved me from duty. Well, Dr. Smithson says you aren't looking very well, Collier. I'm giving you a rest. Sir, I feel perfectly able to continue. Your lips are as blue as Minnetonka. Captain, I'd like to remain at my post. Don't be foolhardy, Lieutenant. I'm not being foolhardy, sir. I have a special personal reason for wanting this expedition to reach Volta. Your father? Yes, sir. You think he might still be alive? I have to find out what happened, sir. I I, I think I understand. Very well, Collier. Report back to duty. The reading policy. Uh, we're getting a plus five radar bounce now. Coming off the barrier almost as fast as we send it out. What's the interval? Two seconds. Shortening steadily. 
That's right. We'll hit the wall in the next few minutes. All right. Alert the crew. Sound general quarters. Now hear this. Condition red. We are now approaching the galactic barrier. All hands to stations. All radiation detectors to be fully manned. Full security will prevail until further notice. That is all. Uh, Policy. Yes, sir? The radar bounces up to plus six. We'd better try to make final contact with Earth. Is Spark still trying to raise the base? Yes, sir, but he's not having much luck. Oh? Seems to be some interference. Oh, that's the radio room now. Yes? You got him? Well, cut in on the bridge speaker. Captain will take it from here. Hello? Star Cloud to Earth. Can you hear me, Earth? Hello, Skipper. I can barely read you. You're getting heavy static from Sunspot. That's not Sunspots, Charlie. We're right on top of the galactic barrier. Getting a plus... No, a plus seven radar bounce. Expect to hit the barrier almost any second now. Good luck, Skipper. If we crack the barrier and come through still in one piece, I'll try to get back to you on the high-frequency band. Got you, Skipper. Don't worry. I'll be waiting. So long, Charlie. So long, Star Cloud. Must be getting awfully close now, Captain. Echo's bouncing back so fast, it's almost beating the signal. When they go inside, hold on to your hat. That's when we run into the wall. Any second. Hold on. Here goes nothing. Here it comes. Captain. (laughs) Nothing happened. We, We made it. We made it, Captain. No radiation, no time warp, no nothing. Now, the, the crew's gone crazy, sir. Let them. They've earned it. Doc, can you break out a few bottles of snake bite serum for medicinal purposes? I sure can, Lord. This calls for a celebration. How's your morale now? It couldn't be better. How's yours? It couldn't be better. Condition red. Condition, Condition red. red. Radiation detected. Condition red. Radiation detected. Holy mackerel. Look at the needle on that indicator. Mollison. Mollison. Yes, I see it, Captain. Picking radiation like crazy. What's it like? It's a strong impulse. What kind? I don't know. It's too long for a cosmic ray, too short for UHF. Whatever it is, sir, the ship is lousy. Well, track it down, triangulate it, and make it fast. I want a directional fix. Yes, sir. Engine room. Yes, sir. We're picking up radioactivity. Is the fission chambers? No leak here, sir. Check your gauges. Nothing here, Captain. Must be coming from outside. Damage control. Is our lead shield leaking radiation? Well, keep at it. Wallison, how are you doing? I've got to fix it, Captain. Well, what is it? Well, I'll have to recheck my figures. Well, hurry it up. Angle is correct, but now, I... Come I on, don't... man, for Pete's sake. Where's the radiation coming from? Sir, it's... It's coming from inside the ship. That's impossible. No, sir, I've checked it twice. Well, it's got to be the engines, then. It is, sir. We're finished. Engine room. Yes, sir. That radiation must be in the overdrive pile. No, sir, it isn't here, sir. Are you certain? Yes, sir. All right, keep checking. There's only one thing left to do. Paulison, get a Geiger counter. We're going to start combing this ship inch by inch. Yes, sir. All right, turn it on. Yes, sir. All right. Ready, Captain. We'll check the atomic guns first. Come on. We'll uh, cut through the officer's quarters here to ordinance. Now turn here. Well, wait a minute, sir. Huh? What is it? The signal's weaker now. Yeah. Let's go back. Hold it. Hold it. Seems strongest right about here. Doesn't make sense. Whose cabin is this? Lieutenant Collier's. Collier? Oh, he's down in that control, sir. Oh, try the door. It's not locked, sir. 
Oh, it's in here, all right. Listen to that counter. Strongest over here. Open that wall cabinet. It's locked. I'll smash it. Oh, shut off that Geiger counter. Now, what do you make of this, Paulus? Oh, it looks like some sort of portable transmitter, sir. Must be foreign manufacturer. I, I, I don't recognize the calibration symbols at all. I, I, I've never seen anything like it. Which raises a small question. What is Lieutenant Collier doing with a transmitter in his cabin? I don't know, sir. Well, I intend to find out, Paulison. Get down to nav control and bring Collier up to the bridge on the double. Well, haven't we better find some way to shut this thing off first? Uh, I know a way. <laughs> Lieutenant Collier, I'm going to ask a few simple questions, and I want a few simple answers. Yes, sir. What were you doing with a transmitter in your cabin? Transmitter, Captain? Oh, you know nothing about it. No, sir, I don't. Do you recognize these calibration symbols? No, sir. Can you think of how it might have been placed in your cabin without your knowing it? No, sir, unless someone came in while I was on duty. Would that have been possible? I suppose so, if someone had a key. I found your cabin door unlocked. Well, I meant a key to the wall cabinet. I didn't say the wall cabinet. Well, I... Uh... You what, Lieutenant? How could you have known it was in the wall cabinet? Well, I just assumed, sir. Lieutenant Collier, I find it hard to believe you would lie. Having known and respected your father. Having observed the way you handle your job. However, I intend to get to the root of this thing. May I have your wristwatch, Lieutenant? Sir? Your wristwatch. Yes, sir. Paulison, turn on that Geiger counter. Yes, sir. Hold this watch next to it. Yes, sir. That's all. Lieutenant, if you hadn't any close contact with that transmitter, how do you explain the radioactivity of this watch? Well, I... I don't, sir. I think you'd better. To whom were you sending those signals? Condition red! Condition red! There's your answer, Captain. What is this, Collier? Alien spaceship approach! Alien spaceship approach! Collier, who's aboard that ship? All right, now talk! Very well, Captain. My mission seems completed. Your mission? Are you admitting that you're an agent of a foreign power? I am stating it. What nation? No nation, Captain. What? I am an agent of the Voltan government. Oh, what? The government of the planet of Voltan. You're crazy. Are you so stupid, Captain? Did you think your people are the only ones who can invade another planet? What do you mean? We've had agents operating on Earth since 1945. I don't believe you. What do you think happened to those five ships, Captain? Where do you suppose we got our information? Your language, your culture, family background. Uh, appearance, you, you you look like... Like Commander Collier? Well, is that so surprising, Captain? You see, Captain, we had a living model. I ought to kill you. That would be very foolish, Captain. I would advise you to surrender without delay. Alien ship now coming in water range. I'll deal with you later, Collier Paulison. Yes, sir. Put this man in irons, take him away. Don't worry, sir. We'll take good care of him. Carpenter, Robinson. <laughs> Gunnery. Gunnery Richardson. What's the range? 10,000 meters. They're closing fast. Put your guns on radar tracking. Tracking. Coming on the bearing. Fire. Fire, Richardson. Richardson, did you hear me? Fire! What's the matter down there? Did you hear me? 
Richardson, answer me. It's no what? use to shout, Captain. Collier, how did you get loose? Where's Paulison? Lieutenant Paulison is dead. All stations, Lieutenant Collier has escaped. Seize men. Don't waste your breath. Your men can't hear you, Captain. What? Those still alive are my men. Door line. No, Captain. Every ship that has ever left Earth was controlled by a Voltan crew. That's impossible. Those were hand-picked men. Hand-picked by us. I don't believe you. No? Then why not call for help? Carpenter, Robinson, Haley, report. You see, Captain? Cap- Carpenter, Robinson, Haley! It's quite useless, Captain. I would advise you to sit very quietly and do nothing. Very well, Collier. You beaten us. What now? The ship will be taken to Volta for, shall we say, further experimentation. I see. Of course, there's one thing you hadn't counted on. Just what is that, Captain? Are you in there, Lieutenant Carpenter? They can't all be dead. There must be one alive. Smitty, Dr. Smithson. Smitty. Smitty, what have they done to him? Lewis, oh, I... dirty. I, uh, I, I don't talk. I must lean, lean closer. Not much time. Lewis, space blues. Space blues? What is it, Smitty? What are you trying to tell me? All men with space blues. Blues. Voltans. Well, let me help you. Oh, Lewis, get message back to Earth. Voltan, fifth column. Watch out for space blues. Smitty. Oh, Smitty. Captain Thorson. Captain Thorson, you can't hide from us now. Come back to the bridge and surrender. Or my men will come and get you. Hello. Hello. Star Cloud calling Earth. Oh, please, God, let me get through before it's too late. Hello. Star Cloud to Earth. Come in, please. Come in, please. Hello, Star Cloud to Earth. Captain Thorson calling. Charlie, come in, please, hurry. Hello. Oh, hello. Can you hear me, Charlie? Skipper, is that you? Are you getting my signal? It's coming in a little louder now, Skip. Keep sending. Oh, my God. Now, look, Charlie, listen to me. Not much time. Get word to Colonel Harrison. Crew mutinied. Most of crew members, Fultons. What? Fultons. Spell that. V-O-L. Fultons. That's right. They're from the planet Volta. Skipper. Skipper, are you all right? Now, Charlie, this is serious. They'll be here any second. Now, listen, they have a fifth column on Earth. They're planning to invade you. You mean it? Of course I mean it. Tell Harrison, posing as humans, you can detect them by space blues. You got that? Only Voltons get space blue. Charlie, did you hear me? Space blue. I get you. They're breaking in, Charlie. I'm depending on you. Warn everybody. Captain. They've opened the door. So long, Charlie. Tell Harrison. Captain. Ah, 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 ah. Captain Thorson. Hello. 
Hello, Star Cloud. What's the trouble, Sergeant? I was just trying to raise the Star Cloud, Colonel. I had any luck? No, sir. No contact. No contact, eh? No, sir. Nearly an hour since they hit the galactic barrier. I don't understand why they haven't tried to get a message back. No, sir. Neither do I. Oh, all right. I'll take over for a while. Yes, you you do that, sir. It's all yours. Right. Oh, and Charlie, uh, you better go out and get yourself some coffee. You look a little blue around the gills. Tonight, X-1 has brought you No Contact, written by George Lefferts from an original story of Lefferts and Ernest Kenoy. Featured in the cast were Louis Van Ruten as Captain, Donald Buca as Collier, Wendell Holmes as Charlie, and Bill Griffiths, Bill Smith, Matt Crowley, and Ken Williams. Your announcer, Don Pardo. X-1 was directed by Fred Way and is a transcribed NBC Radio Network production. Stay tuned for Honest Herald next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for a visit with a guy who's better known as the Great Gildersleeve. But tonight, Harold Perry inhabits the character Honest Harold, a DJ in a small radio station. Here's the episode entitled Shark Repellent, which was first broadcast in 1950. The Harold Perry Show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, Harold Perry as Honest Harold, the homemaker. Well, here we are in Melrose Springs again, where at the moment most of the housewives are listening to their favorite morning radio program, Honest Harold, the homemaker. Let's tune in and listen to Honest Harold, who is just telling his listeners about his new project. And so, girls, let's all get behind this drive for the sunny side of 70 Club, clubhouse where the old folks can enjoy their leisure time. Ladies, if you can't send cash, send us books and old games. Anything around the house you don't need. Of course, don't send us your husband. <laughs> <laughs> Gloria. Oh, good morning, Harold. How's the mail for the sunny side of 70 Clubhouse coming in? It's not. <laughs> Golly, Mr. Hemp, I'm sorry your campaign to help the old folks isn't going over. Yeah, so am I, Gloria. Everybody sort of forgets about the old people and how lonesome they must get. I just thought they deserve a clubhouse where they could get together, play games, have some fun in life. Remember the old saying, Gloria? The years pass silently, but old age creaks up on you. <laughs> Gee, someday I'll be old hmm? I'll have children Then grandchildren Then great-grandchildren Oh, what'll I do? Well, I'd get married first <laughs> <laughs> Do you really think I should, Harold? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, when the proper young fellow comes along Oh. Yeah. Speaking of proper young fellows, how is our dear boss, Stanley Peabody, this morning? Oh, him? Yeah, I know what you mean. Why is it with all the nice radio station managers in the country we had to get that pickle face? 
Is that you, Hemp? Oh, hello, Pickle... Fa- I mean, Peabody. <laughs> oh, Hemp. Uh? I just received the results of the intelligence test we gave our employees here at the radio station. Uh? Just thought you'd like to know. You came out at the top of your classification. Well, did you hear that, Gloria? The top, eh? Yes, you're the smartest moron working here. (laughs) (laughs) Hyena. Smartest moron. Gee, you came in first. I came in sixth. (laughs) Well, I guess I didn't do so bad after all. (laughs) See you later, Gloria. A lot of traffic today. Four cars and a bicycle. Guess I'll cross the street here. Watch out where you're going. <laughs> out of state license. Careful there, Sinatra. What? Oh, it's old Doc Yak Yak. Would you like a Boy Scout to help you cross the street, madame? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very funny, you old horse doctor. Well, I'd rather be doctoring a horse than most people I know. <laughs> Present company accepted. Why, yes, of course. How is the veterinary business, Doc? Well, just getting back from a house call. Jeff Peters' cow is ailing. Oh? Uh-huh. Sinus trouble. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, is it serious? Couldn't tell. It was kind of hard to examine her. Mm-hmm. Jeff was milking her at the same time. <laughs> What's new with you, crooner? What's your latest crusade? Well, it's not exactly a crusade, Doc, but I am campaigning for that sunny side of 70 Recreation Hall. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. It's all right, my boy. But people are always worrying about people. Mm -hmm. It's about time somebody started worrying about animals. What? Well, animals get old, too, you know. Now, Doc... You never heard of a home for elderly gophers? (laughs) Why, that's silly. Nobody ever started a pension plan for Cocker Spaniels over 60... Oh, Doc. What about a recreation hall for our old four-legged friends? You never saw two cows playing canasta. Uh, Go vaccinate a mule, will you, Doc? have a nice day? Well, pretty good, Mother. Uh, oh, and I have a wonderful surprise, Harold. We're having a guest for dinner. A guest? Who? Well, he came to the door to sell me something. He was such a nice man. And we got to talking, and he said he hadn't had a home-cooked meal for so long. But you don't know anything about him, Mother. Why, he might turn out to be a crook or something. Oh, he couldn't be dishonest with a name he has. Oh, what is his name? Sincere Sam Smith. Oh, Oh, brother. (laughs) Now, Harold, Mr. Smith is a very honest man, I can tell. He has especially large earlobes. Large earlobes? Mm -hmm. Oh, mother. (laughs) Oh, you can always judge people by their earlobes. Mother, it's wonderful to be sweet and trusting, but you're much too gullible. It's a good thing you've got me to protect you from these shady characters. Yeah, probably him now. I'll take care of him. Sincere Sam Smith. But he's a real slicker. Probably wears two-toned shoes. 
I'd better have a peek at him first. Mm, I'll say he's got large earlobes. Looks like a bloodhound. Well, that won't fool me. Yes? Good evening, Mr. Hemp. Good evening. It's a pleasure to meet you. Smooth. <laughs> Let me shake your hand. <laughs> better take my elk swing off first. So you're the man I've heard so much about. That? You're Honest Harold, the homemaker. Mr. Hemp, I have a favor to ask of you. You won't get a cent out of me. I wonder if I could have your autograph. Huh? <laughs> you know, you're quite a celebrity with me, Mr. Hemp. I can honestly say that as a radio performer, you're far better than Arthur Godfrey. <laughs> say it's too bad that you're not on television. Hmm? I didn't realize you were so handsome. Uh... <laughs> Has anyone ever told you you look like George Rav? Well, we both use steak home. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Smith, won't you come in? Oh, thank you. Yeah, please sit down, Mr. Smith. Mother will be right in. Fine. Well, he looks nice and honest. He does have a fine pair of earlobes. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Smith, mother tells me you're a salesman. Oh, I, I do that as a sort of hobby. Mm. I love to meet people, you know. I'm, I'm really an oil man, retired. Oh, I see. But uh, just to keep active, I've been merchandising this very useful household gadget. Household gadget? Well, what is it? Well, it's a special kind of powder. It's very handy if you ever have to make a forced landing in the middle of the ocean. Mm. It repels sharks. <laughs> Repel sharks, eh? Well, that sounds like a handy thing to have around the kitchen, all right <laughs> How are they selling? They're not too well, Honest Harold Oh I bought a whole carload of them, too War surplus, you see I guess I'm just an old country boy But I couldn't stand to see the government My government Stuck with all that shock repellent. <laughs> well, say, you're a real patriot, sincere Sam. Oh, I try to be. Mm -hmm. But you, you are the real humanitarian. I am? Yes, that's a wonderful idea you have. The sunny side of 70 Clubhouse. It's too bad you're having trouble raising that money. Well. Honest Harold, I like you. I like your face. Oh, it's just a face. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to raise that money for you. You are? Yes, indeed. All you have to do is to sell my shark repellent powder over your radio program. And you can keep 25 cents out of every dollar for your clubhouse. Gosh, how can I ever thank you? I'm glad to do it. There's just one thing, Honest Harold. Uh, if we're going into this partnership, I'll have to ask you to put up a bond of $50. A bond? Well, um, don't you trust me? Of course, yes. Personally, I trust you 100%. But we have to protect the old folks. Say, that's pretty thoughtful of you, sincere Sam. Yeah. Just a minute here. I'll get my wallet. Yeah, there you are. Thank you. May I have my wallet back now? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Say, thanks for the money, and, uh, and now I want to give you something. Uh? Here is a free sample of my shark repellent powder. Well, thanks, but I don't really need it. 
A shark would have to be pretty smart to catch me. (laughs) (laughs) And before signing off this morning, dear listeners, I want to thank you all for the way you've been sending in your dollars for our shark repellent powder. Remember... 25 cents of every dollar goes toward outfitting the sunny side of 70 Clubhouse. And by the way, people are having a lot of fun finding ways to use this powder. It shines in the dark, you know. Clem Beggs put some on his beard, and now he can read in bed at night without turning on the nightlight. (laughs) His wife likes it, too. But seriously, folks, you're just about the kindest, nicest people I know. I love those dear hearts and gentle people who live in my hometown because those dear hearts and gentle people will never ever let you down. They read the good book from Friday till Monday. That's how the weekend goes I've got a dream house I'll build there one day With picket fence and rambling roads I feel so welcome Each time that I return That my happy heart keeps laughing like a clown I love the dear hearts and gentle people who live and love in my hometown. Three hundred and forty. 341. All through, counting the money, honest Harold? Yeah, almost sincere, Sam. Just have to figure up this small change. 342. 304. Oop. Canadian dime. <laughs> it's been floating around town ever since that bagpipe band from Toronto was up here. $342.90. That is wonderful. And we still have one more day to go. Say, uh, this is a lot of money, Sincere Sam. Don't you think we ought to put it in the hotel safe here? Oh, no. I think it would be safer here in the hotel room uh, with me. You do? Yes. I don't trust the manager. Uh-huh. Ever notice? No earlobes. No. <laughs> you can't take chances with a man like that. Guess you're right. It's a good thing we got you looking after the money, Sincere Sam. Well, thank you, Honest Harold. my office. Uh, What is it, Stanley, old man? Hemp, I want to talk to you about this shark repellent powder. I'd like to sprinkle some on him. I've just been thinking. Always bragging. Yes, Stanley. If anything should happen to all this money you've taken in, you know this station is liable. Huh? What about this character, Sincere Sam? Are you sure he's honest? One of the most honest men I ever met, Stanley. Relax. This shark powder sounds fishy to me. (laughs) 
made it funny. <laughs> Looks to me like Sincere Sam has pulled the wool over your eyes. No, I'm just wearing my bangs kind of low today, Sam. <laughs> and you're such a sheep. Sheep? Are you sure this Sincere Sam hasn't been fleecing you? Yeah, Stanley, if it'll make you feel any better, I'll call good old Sam and have him bring the money over right now. Gloria, get me the Antler Hotel. Stanley, you're going to feel awfully ashamed of yourself. Hello? Antler Hotel? I'd like to speak to Sincere Sam Smith, please. Mm-hmm. I'll wait. Calling me a sheep, Stanley. Shame. Hello? What's that? Sincere Sam is gone. He checked out. Well, Hemp, what have you got to say? We'll return for the second act of our story, Honest Harold, in just a moment. The National Guard is now beginning its 1950 recruiting drive. 220,000 men are needed to reach the desired quota. Why not stop in at your local National Guard recruiting office and learn the full details? To keep America prepared, the National Guard needs you now, today. And by the way, don't miss Harold Perry's important announcement at the end of our show. And now back to Honest Harold, the homemaker. Well, Honest Harold is learning that large earlobes may hide a dishonest heart. For the great philanthropist, sincere Sam Smith, has left town with the money raised for the sunny side of 70 Club. Right now, Harold is in Stanley Peabody's office on the carpet. But I just can't understand it, Stanley. There must be some mistake. There is, Hamp. And you made it. And it just goes to prove what I've always said. You're an incompetent, idiotic, bungling, uh... Stupid? Yes. Stupid dolt. <laughs> You're so right, Stanley. And I let all those people down. They'll never get the clubhouse now. And all those nice people who sent in their dollars. And that Canadian with his dime. <laughs> well, you've got more than that to worry about. I hate to do this, but I'm afraid I'm going to have to turn this whole matter over to the police. You mean they'll put sincere Sam in jail? Oh, Mother's going to be very upset about that. Well, she won't have to be. You'll be there with him. <laughs> Stanley, you wouldn't do that. I'm sorry, Hemp, but it's my duty to protect the reputation of this station. Stanley, give me a chance, for old time's sake. Remember the office party last Christmas? In the dark, under the mistletoe, Stanley? You thought I was Gloria till you felt my mustache? <laughs> This is no time for sentiment, Harold <laughs> Now, honest, Harold, I'll give you just 24 hours to get that money back 24 hours? And if you don't, you'll be going up the river Up the river? Gosh, he's throwing me to the sharks and I sold out all that powder <laughs> Yes, it's no use, Harold. We've called almost every town around here, and there's no sign of sincere Sam. Mm -hmm. Yes, Gloria, but I just gotta find him. Well, all right. I'll try another town. Good old Gloria. Uh, call the hotel in Honkerville. Uh. Operator, get me Honkerville one three, please. <laughs> Hello, Honkerville Plaza. <laughs> just a moment, please. Here's your party, Harold. Yeah, thank you. Hello, desk clerk? I said desk clerk? Hmm, must be deaf. Did a stranger check into your hotel lately? 
He did? And he wore a frock coat, patent leather shoes, duck bill haircut? When did you see him last? 1905. <laughs> <laughs> William Jennings Bryan. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What? No, I'm not going to vote for him. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, brother, it's no use, Gloria. We failed. Oh, excuse me, Harold. Huh? Station KHJP. What? What? Oh, thank you. What is it, Gloria? Oh, that was the hotel in Sigmund City. Sincere Sam just checked in there. Oh, Gloria, you're wonderful. <laughs> Why, Harold, you kissed me. Does that mean we're engaged? Gloria, for heaven's sake, I'm in enough trouble now. <laughs> fast now. I'll get Pete, the town marshal, and we'll dash over and slip the handcuffs on sincere Sam Smith before he knows it. We'd better hurry, though. He's pretty slippery. He's liable to sneak out of Sigmund City before we get there. Hope the marshal's in. Good. There he is. Marshal, I gotta see you right away. Just a minute, Harold. I'm on the phone. Now, what was that again, Miss Crocker? You you want a dog license? Uh, Pete, this is urgent. And yeah, Now, you just have to wait your turn. Ooh. Now, Miss Crocker... <laughs> I'll have to fill out a form. Uh, what's the dog's name? Geraldine. Well, now that's a cute name. Yeah, let me write that down. Cute name. And what's the dog's age? Uh-huh. Uh, married or single? <laughs> I must have the wrong form. <laughs> oh, brother. Look here, Pete. I'm in a hurry. Yeah, well, I'll take care of it, Miss Crocker. Goodbye. Now... What can I do for you, Harold? Well, Pete, How's I... your mother? Did you get over a rheumatism? Yes. Marshal, I want to report a robbery. Robbery? Okay, we'll have to fill out a form. What? <laughs> Where did I put that? Here it is. <laughs> Form's kind of dusty. <laughs> Pete! All right, I'm ready. Name, please. Oh, for heaven's sake, you've known me for 20 years. I'm Harold Hemp. Let me write that down. <laughs> H-A-R-O-L-D, hemp. Sounds like a nickel cigar. <laughs> Pete, will you stop that writing? I want to talk to you. Look at me. You need to shave, boy. <laughs> I want you to help me, Pete. I want you to arrest a man named Sincere Sam Smith. Sincere Sam Smith. Let me write that down. <laughs> Will you hurry it up while we're standing here talking? He's absconding with my $343. $343. Let me write that down. <laughs> oh, Nellie, now I've got to start all over. What's the matter now? I forgot to put in some carbon paper. Oh. <laughs> Pete, you're the slowest, most inefficient, most aggravating bungler I ever saw. Besides that, you're an old foof. Let me write that down. <laughs> How do you spell foo? F-O... Never mind. I'll do it myself. Goodbye. Yeah, that marshal's a big help. Well, I'll drive over to Sigmund City and catch Sincere Sam myself. My little old Essex will get me there in no time. Oh, here we are. Uh, oh, got to get that seat spring fixed. Come on, Essie. Yeah, there she goes. 
darn it. Same old trouble, chicken feathers in the gasoline. I won't buy another gallon of gas from Charlie till he gets rid of those leghorns. He's got asthma <laughs> Now what am I going to do? Wonder where I can borrow a car Hey there, lover boy Having motor car trouble again? Oh, Doc In that silly horse and buggy Oh, there, Silver Moon <laughs> Silver Moon She looks like she's in an eclipse Hey, Harold, I just heard you was in a little trouble. That uh, sincere fella skipped out on you, huh? Yes, yeah. Well, I warned you about trusting human beings. Now, if you'd have given that money to a chipmunk... Yeah, all right, Doc. <laughs> I'm in a hurry. Oh, where are you going? Sigmund City. i got to catch Sincere Sam. Oh, a manhunt. Well, you better get there in a hurry. I know that. Well, Harold, I wouldn't do this for everybody, but since speed is of the essence, I'm going to let you take my horse and buggy. Oh, that's real nice of you, Doc. But I want to get there this week. Why, Silver Moon's the fastest buggy horse in town She's the only buggy horse in town Well, if you want to split horse hairs yeah. <laughs> uh, She's a fine animal, though, front and back It's not her front and back that worries me, Doc It's that sag in the middle <laughs> That's where you ought to put the buggy Oh, now you're gonna hurt her feelings, Harold huh? Oh, he didn't mean it, Silver Moon Oh, my goodness Doc, I appreciate your offer. Okay, Harold, it's your loss. Silver Moon's got a fine background. Ex-polo pony, ex-race horse. Used to be cavalry horse. First World War. Went over the top at Chateau Theory. How does she ever get over the top with that beer belly? Oh. <laughs> well, come on, Silver Moon. I guess we're not wanted here. Doc, wait a minute. I'll take your offer. Silver Moon ought to be able to make it to Sigmund City. It's all downhill. Come on, help me in this buggy. All right, uh, now watch, watch the step. Yeah, yep. uh, there you are. Giddy up, Silver Moon. <laughs> so long, Doc. So long, Harold. Watch out for speed cop. Say, runs like a racehorse at that. Look at that knee action. <laughs> this is better than my Essex, no shifting. <laughs> Come on, Silver Moon, we'll get to Sigmund City before... Uh-oh, Lumberyard's on fire again. Silver Moon, what are you stopping for? Oh, she's turning around. I better hang on. Silver Moon, you're going the wrong way. Hi, Harold, you back already? <laughs> Doc, where's this racehorse going? She's heading for the lumber yard. I forgot to tell you. Used to be a fire horse, too. <laughs> Silver Moon! Oh, shut up! Harold, you're through. You stalled around all day, and now Sincere Sam has checked out of that hotel in Sigmund City, the sunny side of 70 Club ruined by a shady character. I'm sorry I let all you old folks down. Please forgive me, old friends. I was trying to do the right thing. Guess you'll never have that clubhouse now. It's all my fault. Honest Harold Hemp. I despise you. You deserve to go to jail. This is going to be a great blow to my mother. 
her only son in the penitentiary. <laughs> Hello, Mother. I'm home. Oh, I've been wondering where you were, Harold. And there's someone here waiting for you. Who is it, J. Edgar Hoover? Did I hear somebody come in? Why, hello, honest Harold. Sincere Sam. Where you been, boy? Where have I been? Now, look here, Sincere Sam. I took a little trip, honest Harold, over to Sigmund City. And I took our money along, and I bought out the sporting goods section of the hardware store. And you should have seen the things he brought back, Harold. All kinds of games. Horseshoes, shuffleboard. What? Yes, yes. For the Sunnysiders Clubhouse. I kind of lost my head, I guess. You know, I even spent $50 of my own money there. Uh, You can't do too much for the old folks, you know. Well. (laughs) Honest Harold, I I hope you weren't worried today about the money. Worried? No. (laughs) As a matter of fact, I took the day off and watched the lumberyard burn down. (laughs) Yeah. I've just heard the Harold Perry show, Honest Harold, who will return to you in just a moment with that very important message. The supporting players tonight included Ken Peters, Catherine Card, Polly Bayer, and featured Gloria Holiday as Gloria, Joseph Kearns as old Doc Yak Yak, and Art Baker as Sincere Sam. Norman MacDonald directed, and the music was composed and conducted by Jack Meekin. Honest Harold, created by Harold Perry, was written by Gene Stone, Jack Robinson, and Dick Powell. Now back to Honest Harold. You know, Bob, I'm hunting for a laughing lady. Someone we can invite to appear in our show. And what's more, fun than laughing, Bob. And for the lady with a lucky laugh, there's going to be plenty of fun. Because when we find her, we're going to put her on a TWA constellation and fly her to Hollywood, where she'll be my guest at the beautiful Country Club Hotel for a whole week here in Hollywood. And if we could lure her away from the swimming pool, she's to appear with us on the Harold Perry Show. And all a gal has to do for that vacation is just laugh. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And her laugh will enter in the Honest Harold Laugh Contest, and it begins right in her hometown. That's your invitation, girls. If that big laugh contest is being conducted in your city, enter, and you may be here with us some Wednesday night. Come on, girls. Let's all laugh. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Suspense, followed by Our Miss Brooks. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell, Paul Stringer, and Justin Eacock for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. Stay tuned for Ziggy and Stardust, next on Zuma Radio. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.